episode 208 of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thrilled you're here. I'm, of course, Eddie Cohn, host, creator of the show, and thrilled to be here. Feeling fantastic. I hope you're feeling well today as well, or whenever you're listening to this show. A lot circulating and percolating in my mind, and I'm going to try and make sense of it all. I'm going to play an excerpt from a recent Barry Weiss podcast, and probably going to talk a little bit about my new book, SSAFY, which is now available on Amazon. You can buy the full-color version from me. Send me a DM or head over to SSAFYoga.com, or of course, please head over to Amazon if you just type in SSAFY. In the search, you will be led magically to my new book. And before I talk about the book, something that I've felt, and I, and I don't know if I feel sort of this this level of accomplishment spending the last few years on this project, this book, and to my surprise, but also to my relief, it really feels like people are enjoying the book. It feels amazing. And I realize we live in the most ADD world where it is a tall task to ask almost anybody to actually read a book. <laughs> it's like, what does it take to get somebody to sit down for a few days and read a book with no distraction? Is that possible anymore? Sure, I'm, I'm convinced there's a still a very small percentage of the population that is capable of sitting down for a few days and read a book. But boy, that feels like a tall task. But I, I, I don't know if it's the combination of being so proud of myself and maybe my perception has changed a little bit, but I have felt actually encouraged by creativity. And I found it interesting that I've been feeling this way over the last couple weeks, and then lo and behold, today, when I'm recording this, Netflix has its worst earnings, I guess, in years. They've, they've lost subscribers for the first time. I, I think, I may be inaccurate here, but I read somewhere there was over 100 to 200,000 subscribers that they lost in this last quarter or last year, and this is the first time this has happened. And, you know, Elon Musk tweets something around uh, along the lines of, oh, it's, it's because of the woke, the wokeness of Netflix or the wokeness of the shows and people are being turned off uh, to Netflix. I have been saying for almost as long as my podcast has been, been in existence that I've always felt that for the most part, other than, other than maybe an Ozark, or Narcos, I can tell when a show is, is on Netflix. It just feels like it's this AI, robotic, two-dimensional version of a, of a real show. It, it feels formulaic, um, dumbed down. It may look visually appealing to the eyes, but it just it feels watered down and really boring and predictable. And I'm thinking maybe people are catching on. Maybe people are actually yearning for something better than Netflix, 
because I had just finished watching Severance a couple weeks ago on Apple TV. And I don't remember the last time I was this excited to see a series or season finale, rather, because I, I think the show's coming back. I Seriously, I can't remember the last time I was this excited about a show. Maybe Escape at Donamora, maybe Homeland. It's been years. It's weird. I, I often think about what does it take to get people's attention? And also I think about are people being tricked by the almost pornographic, fast-paced fast -paced culture or fast-paced nature in which shows are often presented, like Euphoria? I do think the first season was really good, but then I also wonder, was it good or was I tricked into thinking that it was good because it was so pornographic, so over-the-top, shot with this sort of, it was edited quickly in this fast-paced nature? almost like an MTV music video. So I, I, I back to my point here, I, I ask myself, are, are creators relying on these sort of, these tricks? And, you know, Instagram and TikTok has a lot of these tricks where you can make videos with filters and edits seem really cool. But if, if you get rid of the filters, if you get rid of the quick editing, is it actually any good? And I often say to myself, no, it, it isn't. So what makes something stand out? It's got to be authentic, deep, real. We have to connect with it. It has to be new. It has to be intriguing. It has to have mystery. And severance has all of these elements. It's not relying on over-the-top editing, profanity, pornography, uh, sexuality. Ben and the writer create this world that is so mysterious and it's unlike anything that I had seen before, which I think is so challenging these days because it feels like everything's been done. So I, I see that show a couple weeks ago, blown away. And then I also watched this new show on Hulu with Amy Schumer. I forget the title. I, I know that the word life and Beth is in the title of the show. I, I apologize. Uh, I feel like it's life with Beth or life and Beth. And I've, I've never really had a strong opinion about Amy Schumer one way or, or another. It sort of sucks you in with the comedy. Do you remember the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? It's this magical comedy. But underneath it all, there's this heartfelt drama with John Candy and he's, he's, I think he's divorced and he's no longer, he, he's no longer with his wife. Or I think his wife passed away. And you can tell that John is either homeless or he doesn't know where to, where to go during the holidays. And Steve Martin ends up inviting him over to his home for Thanksgiving dinner. And I felt the same way about this new Amy Schumer show. You know, it, it sort of on the surface feels like a comedy. And I guess Amy's sort of been known for being off the wall and over the top. But I have to say, episode eight or nine, where they go into the backstory of Amy's character, I'm getting chills a little bit. And, you know, her mother is, is, is sleeping around and, and has divorced her, obviously her father, and her father isn't a very good guy. And she's 
having a hard time in high school and she's obviously awkward and it's just, it's really powerful. And it, it talks about, or at least displays just how brutally toxic and challenging kids can be in high school and how mean they can be. And you really root for Amy, you really connect with her character. And I think between those two shows, I, I felt like, wow, maybe art is actually better than ever, or it's, it's coming back. Hulu and Apple are just trying to find creators and writers that want to make great, meaningful content. And it, it feels like, at least in my periphery, people have, have had enough of tech, of the deleterious impact of, of tech that's sort of just like causing this metamorphosis in our culture where people are just dazed and glazed and numbing out. People have had enough. People have had enough of Netflix. People have had enough of mediocrity. And maybe there's a shift that's happening. went out to dinner last night with a couple friends and we all sat around and talked about that Amy Schumer show. And I felt alive because we all loved it. And we were all talking about the show and the depth. And I felt a strange sense of community. I felt a strange, not strange, but I felt a connection. We were, we were bonding. We were growing through our shared experience. Now, on the other hand, somebody that I follow or that I'm quote-unquote friends with on Facebook posted something about fe- uh, severance on Facebook. I- I'm uh, paraphrasing here, but it was something like, wow, the season finale, oh my God, blew me away. And, you know, I, I, I left a comment on his, his post saying how much I loved it. And then somebody else posted something on Facebook saying how much they love severance. And that's the point. The commenting, the posting on Facebook about severance, you know, other people are going to be posting about it. It's a two-dimensional experience. It doesn't live up to the 3D analog experience of sitting around a table, having dinner, talking about a show, reliving the experience, sharing our own personal opinions about the show. That used to enrich and deepen and enliven our experiences with art and Seinfeld and TV shows and Family Ties and Cosby Show and old movies and like Saving Private Ryan. All of those experiences were deepened because we would talk about them and we would feel them and we would live with them. Those don't happen anymore, or at least they happen far less because we're always moving on to like, what else can we consume? We don't live with what we consumed for a week or a day. And if we do want to talk about it, we're, you know, we're posting about it on Facebook. And then somebody else is commenting and somebody else comments. But it's, it's such a small, minuscule feeling experience compared to actually sitting around and talking about a show or a book. 
it almost makes me want to sort of create a like a weekly or monthly Zoom get together where we all talk about particular shows or or movies or books. It, it's like the book club experience is an enriching experience because everybody sits around and talks about their experience with a book or in this case, a TV show. But what happens when those experiences are dwindled down to Facebook posts? And what happens when the onslaught of information is moving at such a fast-paced rate where people don't even have the time or almost this, this mental fortitude to stop for a day or two and, and just think about one show? The world wants people to just keep moving on. You know, I think about the Will Smith incident at, at the Oscars. I think about all the incidents that just sort of flood by us each day, day in and day out. And none of them stay with us. Like we care for a moment and then we move on. And I think that is sort of the other reason why I, I do believe creators, I do believe Netflix creators and producers they know that people aren't sitting with content anymore. They are just consuming like ants as quickly as they can, which in turn is creating less high-quality content. So maybe we need to do a better job at slowing down. Maybe I need to create a monthly Zoom hangout where we talk about particular shows and, and deepen the experience. I think this is a time where we really need to think of creative, unique ways to enliven our experiences, creative experiences, going to an art show, having dinner afterwards and talking about it. Don't go on to Facebook and, you know, write a little post about why you liked a particular show. I mean, that it, it feels like, I bet people feel like they're doing something to sort of create a conversation. Facebook and Instagram want people to think that those are quote-unquote conversation starters, but they always fall flat compared to the 3D experience of actually having a full, rich conversation face-to-face -face where a group of people are sitting around talking about a book or talking about a show. I, I will play, actually, let me play this clip right now. Um, it's from the Barry Weiss podcast, why the past 10 years of American life have been uniquely stupid. And she is speaking to Jonathan Haidt, who also wrote an amazing article in The Atlantic. And he's also written the book, The Righteous Mind, and the coddling of the American mind, which I actually read maybe a year ago. Um, so I, I'll play a couple clips. Well, I'll definitely play you one, but I think he touches on a lot of areas. You know, we, we look at Facebook as this community builder. We look at these technological devices as, you know, convenient. But I truly believe and part of the reason why I wrote my book is because I don't think these social media platforms are doing what they promise. I think they're causing more separation, more divide, more disconnection. 
and they're creating more two-dimensional zombies uh, in the world, two-dimensional versions of human beings. Now, I don't know if Facebook knows that's what they're doing, or maybe they know and they just don't care. Now, do we want to do anything about it? Is the government going to step in and, and take Facebook down? Is Facebook going to shut off at 10 p.m. every night for kids under the age of 18? No, because profit is more important than caring about the, the righteousness and the mindfulness of human beings. So let me play you this clip where Jonathan is speaking to Barry. Large societies, especially if they are demographically or ethnically or religiously diverse, and they are not religious, you have to, so you have to look at what, is, what are the forces binding us together and what are the forces pulling us apart. And so if you have a very large, diverse, secular democracy, it should fall apart unless you have a bunch of forces pulling it, you know, keeping it in. So conflict with a foreign enemy, you know, World War II followed by the Cold War was fantastic for us. Um, our media ecosystem in the post-war world, three networks, we all got the same news. We had a similar understanding of what was happening. That was fantastic for us. But those advantages, if you will, have faded away. And our media environment has gone from a kind of a centripetal or centralizing three networks to, uh, you know, micro, micro targeting. Everyone's on a different page. Everybody is, everybody has a different view of reality. And Guri has this incredible uh, metaphor. Actually, let me see if I can find it. This, this incredibly powerful quote about what it did to us. He says, the digital revolution has shattered that mirror by which he means the, the mirror of mass media, when, when we, we all had something reflected back to us about who we were on the evening news, let's say. The digital revolution has shattered that mirror, and now the public inhabits those broken pieces of glass. So the public isn't one thing. It's highly fragmented, and it's basically mutually hostile. It's mostly people yelling at each other and living in bubbles of one sort or another. I think it's really hard to connect right now because as Jonathan says millions of people are sort of in their own vortex their their own tunnel of information twitter feeds twitter's feeding people information that isn't necessarily true but it's to keep them on the platform facebook is doing it instagram tiktok and if most people are spending their time on these platforms Everybody's going to be in their own tunnel of news, information. And these platforms also raise the stakes. You know, I posted a video the other day on Instagram where I'm making fun of my book and sort of doing promo for it. It was by far the most sensory-filled experience of my day. It, it, it had the most stakes, compared to anything else that I did. You know, I, I was writing that day, I was working, but I posted this video. That video was, because I, I guess because I'm putting myself out there. And I'm instantly going to know what people think. And I think that is not a healthy place to be living in. I, a friend of mine posted something on Facebook the reason why she doesn't post, and she's a musician, the reason why she doesn't post on Facebook very often is because she ends up thinking about that post all day. She even said sometimes more than a day, like weeks. And that is the strange, precarious 
position we as artists are in right now if we're forced to post and talk about our material. This is why I like the podcast, because there's depth and nuance, and it's asking more of you. You're listening to the full experience. You're, there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end. You're getting some context. But instead of creators and artists just creating, Facebook and Instagram are forcing artists um, to, to post and talk about their work. And instead of going back to their work and just creating more, I do think the vast majority of artists and creators are thinking about those posts. They're thinking about the reaction because that is what we, we do. We're, we're sensitive. We want people to like our work. And I almost feel like the only way to navigate that is, is to ultimately be a zombie and not care. But is, it feels like that's an impossibility because we're human beings and we should care. So, boy, I, I don't know if I recall my original point. I think what Jonathan is speaking about speaks to that other added layer of why there's less connection. Everybody is in their own world. And it's, it's even these shows that I'm talking about, Severance, uh, the show with Amy Schumer. Who knows who's watching those shows right now? Who knows what algorithm-led journey people are on? You know, back when there was three or five or seven networks, if we all went to work, there's a good chance we all watched The Cosby Show or, you know, Married with Children. Now you go to work God only knows what shows people are watching. God only knows what experiences people are going through creatively, individually. I think it's harder now than ever before to find community. One, one more point here before I move on. I was so moved by Severance and the show with Amy Schumer. I keep calling it the show with Amy Schumer instead of the actual name of the show, so I apologize. Because as I said, it wasn't relying on cliffhangers or tricks or um, over-the-top edits or, or sexuality or profanity or violence to, to get me to feel a connection or to feel a level of intrigue towards the show. It relied on wonderful acting, great writing, and unique storytelling. So what social media has also given rise to is those types of people that don't rely on depth or creativity or thoughtfulness, but are really good, and I don't even know if it's a skill or if they're aware of it, but being over-the-top, outlandish, a troll, that type of behavior is being rewarded on social media. And people can see that. And I almost feel like it's inspiring more people to behave that way. Let me play you this clip, because Jonathan speaks about this. And the key to the story is that in 2009, Facebook adds the like button, and Twitter copies it, and Twitter adds the retweet button, and Facebook copies it as the share button. And so in 2008, before this stuff, Facebook and all those, they were not particularly toxic. They were largely nice communities. You could put stuff up about what bands you liked or baby photos or whatever you want, and you could check out other people's pages. Now, 
Facebook and Twitter have huge amounts of information about engagement because people are clicking and clicking and clicking the like and the share button. So Facebook then implements, uh, it begins algorithmicizing uh, the feed for whatever creates engagement. And as we now know, research later showed, that's primarily emotional content and especially anger. Anger is the most potent way to get people to click. So where before it was just, you know, there was always some brand management, you know, look at me and these are the photos I, I've chosen very carefully. Um, but those are the things you put up on your page. When it becomes about this feed, which becomes, starts as a trickle and becomes, a, you know, a, a Niagara Falls constantly, and people are just clicking, 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 but for what? We're, we're, we're shaping our performance. And then what happens is as the norms become more about not just performance like here's what I think, but look how horrible this person is and dumping on people and joining in pylons, um, now the, the cruelty comes out. And at this point, most people check out. So there's a lot of research in political science showing that most people are really turned off by the nastiness, the aggression, and the cruelty. And they just go silent. They might lurk, they might watch, but they stop posting. So what's left is the most aggressive people. And what I came to realize as I was writing this, this current, the Babel Atlantic article, is that social media has not given everyone a voice. The people that it amplifies are the far left, the far right, trolls, and Russian intelligence agents. And their goal, all four of them, have the goal of attacking people, uh, uh, stirring up distrust. So social media really changed the connections between people and their motivations for what they're doing online. Do, like, do you see the way that social media and technology is, is impacting our world? I mean, look beyond the convenience of Uber or Google, Google Maps. Look beyond the ease in which we can email and search. Look beyond those, those wonderfully helpful additions to our lives. I want you to look at the way people communicate with each other. I want you to go out to dinner and see how people are talking. Are they even talking? I want you to see the shift in our culture and how fast news moves. Who we lionize in our culture. Because I see a dramatic shift in, in values, human behavior. It doesn't, and it doesn't look pretty. It doesn't feel fulfill, fulfilling. If people are only texting what happens to manners, what happens to connections. And that was really a big reason why I felt like it was appropriate to write a book. I used yoga as the backdrop since yoga has been a big part of my life, but I think yoga, what, what I saw happening in our society, in our culture, where we where, as, as, Jonathan is, as Jonathan is saying, you know, Facebook and Instagram are giving rise to trolls. I see the same thing happening in the, I saw the same thing happening in the yoga world where, first of all, yoga is, is the complete opposite of spending time on social media. Yoga is personal. It's about adding quiet time. It's about the intrinsic qualities of the human being. And so when I see yoga and yoga teachers doing and promoting 
particular postures and behavior that's bringing more eyeballs to themselves and to social media, they don't, they don't want a world that is quiet, that is thoughtful, that is sensitive. They are only concerned about themselves. They are only concerned about bringing more eyeballs to their own platform to potentially get sponsors or brands or free clothing or whatever. So if that's going on, even in the yoga world, and I'm not naive here, yoga, just like Nike, just like every other big modality is all about money. Let's be real here. What impact is that happening, having on our culture? Is everything about attention? Is everything about money now? Is everything about bringing as many eyeballs as possible to myself? Yoga teachers, are they really not yoga teachers, but are they really hiding behind this this curtain? Are they hiding behind this false pretense that they really care about making the world a better place? They'll post quotes. Do these quotes actually get anybody to change their life? Or does it just make them look good? Does it make them look like they care when all they really care about is themselves? I mean, let's really take a deep, deeper examination at what social media and technology are doing to the world and people's intentions and people's cares and people's empathy and sympathy. So that was the backdrop for why I wrote my book. I created a world that is funny and over the top, but also disturbing because the vast majority of people that have read the book say, Eddie, I couldn't tell if this was fiction or nonfiction because boy, it sure felt like this kind of stuff actually could or does happen. And it's, if you do read the book, that's scary to think what I wrote about potentially could even happen because it feels like people just don't care about anybody but themselves. I also wanted to challenge myself to not be tricked into going to the two-dimensional, less satisfying world of, of tech and social media. Sure, I use social media. Sure, I use tech a lot. But I am constantly looking for ways to grow and challenge myself and do more and do better. And looking back and, and, and looking at the experience of writing that book and being disciplined to write and finish something and start, some, start something and finish something and put myself out there, that to me is a truly deeper, um, more enriching experience than spending time on social media and asking people to, to spend more time and, and on social media. I, I think the world has everybody tricked or the vast majority of people are tricked into thinking that a, a more tech-heavy lifestyle, a more social media-heavy lifestyle is better. And I don't necessarily believe that's the case. So I wanted to write about it in a very bizarre, unique way. So... SSAFY is out now. Uh, it stands for Sexy Spirituals Fuck Yoga. I'll probably record another podcast even more about it. Uh, but you can get it on Amazon right now, or you can purchase the book directly from me. Send me a DM, or just head over to SSAFYoga.com, where you can get a little bit more information on the book there.
but this feels like a good place to end. Actually, let me, I'm going to read a, an excerpt from this Jonathan Haidt article. It's called Why the Past 10 Years of American Life Have Been Uniquely Stupid. It's in the Atlantic. And then I'll let you go. The story of Babel is the best metaphor I have found for what happened to America in the 2010s and for the fractured country we now live in. Something went terribly wrong very suddenly. We are disoriented, unable to speak the same language or recognize the same truth. We are cut off from one another and from the past. Babel is a metaphor for what some forms of social media have done to nearly all of the groups and institutions most important to the country's future and to us as people. Around 2003, MySpace, Friendster, and Facebook made it easy to connect with friends and strangers to talk about common interests for free. In the 10 years since then, Zuckerberg rewired the way we spread and consume information. He did transform our institutions, and he pushed us past the tipping point. It has not worked out as he expected. Early social media can be seen as just another step in the long progression of improvements. But gradually, social media users became more comfortable sharing intimate details of their lives with strangers. They became more adept at putting on performances and managing their brand activities that might impress others, but do not deepen friendships in the way that a private phone conversation will. Once social media platforms had trained users to spend more time performing and less time connecting, the stage was set for the major transformation which began in 2009, the intensification of viral dynamics. Yeah, it's like the idea of going viral, getting the ultimate level of attention is the goal. Cor- on a corporation level, on a humanistic level, Netflix is doing whatever they can algorithmically and Facebook is to always go viral. News media conglomerates are doing it. Fox News, CNN, every all the headlines, everything needs to get your attention. And individually, people are doing it all the time. And I guess my last point before I let you go, what does that do to quality? What does that do to depth? What does that do to nuance and context and, and, and connection? So I, I think we all have to work harder now. I think we all have to take a stand against this, this silly minutia. We all have to put the phone down and, and, and create true communities, go out to dinner and, and, go on these weekly walks or chats about shows that that make us feel inspired, movies that inspire us. Because these message boards, these comments on Facebook, they, they don't take the place of the more enriching 3D experience. So I'll leave you with that. I have a fantastic guest that I'm going to be speaking to tomorrow, Emily Goodson. She just had an article come out in the LA Times, so I'm going to be recording that tomorrow. That should post, obviously, after this long-form narration that I just recorded today. Um, Again, SSAFY, available now on Amazon. If you have any questions, comments, please message me on Instagram. 
If you feel like writing a review on iTunes, that is incredibly helpful. Give the show a five-star. Write a fantastic review. I'm also going to end the show today with a new remix that I just put out on Spotify and iTunes. It's a remix of Dystopian Days. So you can listen to that on all streaming sites. Um, a lot of exciting stuff happening. So, yeah, any, any questions, comments, please message me on Instagram. And I believe that is it. A lot here on today's show. As always, I appreciate you taking the time. About 99 million podcasts, so I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this one. And that is it. Thank you so much for listening, supporting, being a part of the downward-facing spiritual spiral. And again, I'll be ending the show with a new song, a new remix available now on Spotify and iTunes or Bandcamp. That's it, everybody. I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Can you feel it on the shore? The city is burning down. Every man is for himself. You see how the truth bleeds.
and fell in love with me. 